Good afternoon, you're listening to the KMD, the series where we talk about events that happen in and around our part of East Clare, namely known as the Killaloo Municipal District and how local government is uh, enacted and enabled in our little part of lovely County Clare. This month's episode, we are delighted to be joined by Councillor Pat Hayes. So Pat, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, it's great to be here. Now, Pat, we have a lot to discuss and uh, we will get to all of that first, but the format that we do for the show here is we say we're, we're going through the sitting councillors uh, that we have at the minute and so it's first time around for you and we give everybody an opportunity to sort of just tell us a little bit about themselves. Now, last time around we had the Mayor of Clare, Councillor Joe Cooney, and I noted that uh, Joe was going for the five in a row, but uh, I'm standing, uh, sitting in front of a man who's going for one better going for six in a row. So you've been involved in politics in East Clare uh, for a long time, Pat. So just give us a potted history of Pat Hayes in local council elections and your um, activities to date. I suppose I was brought up in a a Fianna Fáil household uh, where my father actually ran for election in 1979 and uh, uh, P.J. Hayes would everyone would know him through music and he was probably one of the most popular men around in his way of playing music with the Tulla and managing the Tulla Kelly band. And I suppose when he ran for election in 1979, uh, everyone said he'll, he'll make it. I think at the time, the, the party just took a decision to run six candidates uh, in the Killaluma district that time. And I think there was an overabundance of candidates at the time and there was a number of seats. And But my father, unfortunately, didn't make it and he was very disappointed with that now. And uh, he got around 600 votes and he, he went to the three or four more counts after that, but was eliminated and was very disappointed. And we were kind of, I suppose, for him as well, or kind of, you know, sadness like that. He, he was a popular man and knew everyone, but... As people often said, he was too nice to be involved in politics, and I don't know what that means. But uh, we had a bug always. I was involved in Fianna Fáil myself, and Ogre Fianna Fáil, and I was youth officer for Clare Fianna Fáil, and I ran the youth conference in for Brian Linehan and Charles Hawhey in the in the West County when he was going for the presidential election. I remember very well because the following Monday night he was on today tonight uh, and suddenly a recording that appeared uh, finished his campaign the following Monday after being uh, having a great night in Innes on the Saturday night and he was gone more so or less. it wasn't your fault Pat it that's wasn't what you're your saying. fault but, but it just shows you what you record always can come back to bite you so we have to be very careful and cautious at times what, what we say because everyone is listening at times uh, but look at I've, I've always enjoyed my years in politics uh, and an opportunity came up in, in 1991 to run for election and I decided to put my name forward. My family said you're a bit too young to be going and look at, I suppose they were apprehensive in the fact that uh, I didn't, uh, that P. Joe didn't make it and where was I going? But I went and I put in a good campaign and on the eighth or ninth count I was seven votes short and I looked for a recount as you're perfectly entitled to do. And I brought it down to three. And unfortunately uh, for me, I didn't make it. And there was two dynasties at risk at that particular time. It was the Bugler, Paddy Bugler seat, uh, and it was the Garman seat. Uh, if I had got over that particular point in the count, I would have been elected. Uh, the returning officer told me after, because I my votes went back to different people, and Michael Torpy just stood ahead of me, 
but his voice didn't the went a particular way that mine I if I got Michael Thorpe it sort of brought me ahead of the other candidates look at and I look back at it and I say well sure it was an experience I was very immature the joys of proportional representation yeah I learned me a valuable yeah. lesson and I was a bit taken back from it but the joys of the system at that particular time um, I had to wait eight years yeah I had to wait eight years. It was it was a there was a general election and the government extended period, so I waited until nineteen ninety nine, and there wasn't family enthusiasm that I might run again. But I said I'm going to to write the right and and make sure I'll go, and I got elected on that particular occasion. It was a joyous for the family and very happy occasion. Um, I remember my grandmother going to vote for me. She was 100 at the time and we were inside in Ennis. I remember the day of the count very well that um, Clare were playing Tipperary in replay in replay in 99, Munster final. And it was on the same day as the count actually. Was <laughs> the count adjourned for the a count few, was for adjourned. The count was adjourned after the Kilmurray box was opened. And it was adjourned and I got the tally from the Kilmurray box and I was quite happy because I actually got 19 votes in Kilmurray. Which would be far Which away was as far away and, and was leaving it. And Claire went on to beat Tipperary very well and had him beaten at half time. And then gradually staff started to come back, but not the not the tally people. Mm. I remember gathering a, a gathering of family and wife and all, all the people to tally for me and uh, look at after that that's going on 25 years ago this year uh, and I've been successful since so I suppose I've I've won, I wonder now where all the years have gone by uh, and I wonder all the people that have passed through my life and all the people that I've helped and communities and I suppose I started out as a community activist and that's how I got me involved in politics really by being involved in Fianna Fáil, I was still a community activist. I left school at a very young age. I didn't do my intercert or 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 leave insert or anything like that. I was I was going to be a full time farmer, but uh, life changed for me. Really, I was going to be a dairy farmer, and all the animals in the farm went down with TB. And whenever I went back into dairy, I went working in construction. I went working in community, and I became a community supervisor. And I think that's what really. I'm from the ground up, really. It's not. It, it wasn't a career choice. It wasn't something I decided I'd ever be a politician. Uh, but it has kind of. I've adopted it very much over the years, and I found it very rewarding and challenging, and and all that comes of being a politi- political person. But it's it's the good days and the bad days and the challenges that. I think, I hope, and I believe I've contributed in some way, in some small way to the, the people of East Clare. And, you know, I, I still, my wisdom is still to try and support communities and to try and keep communities together and trying to keep the individuals. The challenges now, since I started out there, is that a lot of the, the work that we started originally where we had the power of a TD 25 years ago has been minimised where a lot of it has been centralised since and we were challenged uh, a lot of the things we're asked about now, we have to try and go through TD's offices and senators' offices to try and get answers at times. So uh, that's the permanent government are, are taking more control every day, as far as I see, anyway.
that's a debate we could have at another time yes. I suppose but I suppose what we're talking about here is we'll say underground stuff and you know said the fact that I said we'll, we'll allude to it a little bit later on but we said the local elections are coming up in June you're going for six in a row as you said in since uh, you know nine, nine, sorry 99 and you can't be elected re-elected 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 and not be having the proper impact on the ground. So that's a reflection on your, yourself. And I said everybody, everybody in East Clare will have a chance to vote in June and see if they're if they're happy with your contribution over the last five years. But like everybody said, we wish everybody the best of luck in, in the elections. But uh, I said having all the, the five, as we've mentioned before, the five uh, sitting councillors were all re-elected the last time. So the locals... Uh, uh, are, it's obvious that everybody thought you were doing a good enough job last time and hopefully, you know, we'll see how things go this time and it could be the same or we could have new voices, but we look forward to that in, in, in the future. Now, Pat, the event that I have you in here to talk about is basically the council meeting that took took place uh, on the 16th of January 2024 or the Killaloo Municipal District meeting that took place on the... Sorry, the seventeenth of January. I get my get my uh, glasses out here, and we, we'll adjust that. Um, the agenda. We go through the agenda with every uh, councillor we bring in, and we'll just ask you to. I, I'll read out the motions and the reply that was given, and just ask you for your own thoughts. And we'll say every councillor gets their opportunity to put forward two motions themselves, and the two motions that you have in, we'll go a bit more in depth with those. So that that's how how we, we'll do it. So the meeting. Uh, was chaired by uh, Tony O'Brien, the, the chair of, of the Killaloo MD, and it adjourned for a few minutes, uh, for five minutes at the start, we say, because the uh, council sec- late council, former council secretary, uh, Michael McNamara, had died the night before of the meetings, and that meeting was adjourned as a mark of respect. So your, your thoughts on Michael? Well, I know Mike. I know Michael uh, uh, for a long time, and I knew him through his family from Ballyogan and Bearfield originally, and his wife then was the librarian in Tulla. But I suppose the day that I walked into the council, or the, even the first counts that I remember going back in in ninety one, Michael was a returning officer, and talk about an efficient man in his business and. He became a friend to us all, and uh, I was really saddened to hear of his uh, his last the, the day before that meeting, and uh, you know his contribution to local government, like and his he worked with us in the municipal district and the area meetings earlier on, and he was out making sure everything was pristine and managed well, and all agendas all ran smoothly, and you know an efficient man, and uh, outside of that, then was a great GA man and, and really his contribution to local government we lose uh, as I said when a, a, there's a great saying there when an old person dies but Michael wasn't old a library burns his the amount of information Michael had in his head about local government and acts and development and why we couldn't do this and how we should do that and how meetings were ran they were ran very efficient under Michael's control and but he often found it tedious enough because politicians are not the easiest crowd to handle at times but Michael uh, in his own simple and quiet way, got us all over the line, and I think we could never be reassured at, at uh, voting at the counts that it was run so professionally. And I think 
you probably in Scarf Bay Road, you probably got to hear from that as well in your time. So I think our sympathies very much to his wife and and, and his family. Absolutely. May, yeah. may, may he rest in peace. Right. We'll go through the agenda and we'll say the first few items are basically there was the minutes of uh, the, there was a budget meeting held in November. Mm-hmm. Item two was the minutes of the last meeting of the Killaloo MD, which took place in November. Uh, then there was minutes of the Killaloo MD special meeting held on the 22nd of November. And we spoke about that on the last episode that was in relation to the plans for Scarif yes. uh, and then there was matters arising and then consider item 5 was consideration of a report uh, which is basically in relation to uh, the disposal of a property which we don't need to discuss and then number 6 which is the first motion we'll say from a councillor and it's a notice motion from councillor Tony O'Brien and uh, Tony O'Brien says uh, that the existing footpath on the left hand side of the road as you enter O'Brien's bridge from the Killaloo Road be extended to the junction of the R466 and the R463 on one end and into the village on the same side of the roadway to the graveyard on the other end. And the reply from Declan Flanagan, the Clare County Council has reviewed the proposal of linking sections of footpaths between the graveyard and canal bridge and O'Brien's bridge. Following inspection and a survey, land dedication will be required as there is insufficient road width to accommodate a new footpath. Whilst there are some concerns regarding the amenity of pedestrians on the proposed section joining the busy junction of the R463, Killaloo MD will commence engaging with the local landowners and stakeholders to identify if the scheme can progress. A funding stream will also be required to deliver this scheme. Now, I suppose <coughs> most people will know that junction. That's basically anyone going in the road from the back road from Killaloo into Limerick. It's basically where you turn uh, to O'Brien's Bridge, just at the junction there. That's what we're talking about, Pat. So what are your thoughts on that? Because uh, d- from the reply that I see there, it's basically land is going to be required, the funding stream will be required, and I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. Well, I think we all kind of listened to Tony uh, and uh, on this motion, and I think uh, um, I think there was huge merit in what he's asking for, because ultimately we see it across a lot of our villages and towns, and know how different in O'Brien's Bridge, uh, where, we, where we're looking to try and prevent accidents and, and, and try and get safety measures, and uh, a footpaths and, and the different elements he's looking for here were very much supported by all and I think it's a good idea. I think the issue here sometimes is getting land dedication, getting land from people uh, and to get a budget to do that. I think we've had challenges around sometimes with budgets but look at, I think the very fact that they're surveying it and moving it on it looks like there's an interest in it from the council to actually try and get this issue resolved because I think it has come up before and these normally come up, motions come up and issues come up because residents and community people are, are concerned uh, and they they express concern for their own safety and their own kids and grandchildren and everything. This this is where motions arrive out of and communities ask for them. So no different than anywhere else. I think, I hope this proceeds. Uh, it'll take a bit of time, but it's 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 a good motion and it's a motion that should be delivered for O'Brien's Bridge. Yeah, and I suppose, as you've alluded to there, many of the events that sort of happen in around, we'll say, the, the county in general, 
they don't sort of happen overnight. It takes time for them to sort of ferment and for the planning to go go through and we'll say money to be sought. So uh, this is a, a motion that maybe in the next year to two years might come to fruition a little bit faster. You know, there'll probably be a little bit more to... Well, it'll probably be put in for a funding stream yeah. once they have land and a bit of surveying done and, and actually design of, of what they're talking about. So it'll probably make its way towards uh, that stage at that particular time. Yeah. Okay. Right, now motion seven and uh, this is one that had a little bit of controversy from previous meetings and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to give us your thoughts on it. Uh, it's also from Tony O'Brien and it's in light of the Environmental Protection Agency EPA report on the public water supply in O'Brien's Bridge and Bridgetown, Ishka Aaron and Clare County Council Water Services attend the meeting to give a contra- sorry, attend the meeting to give a comprehensive report and to one advise members on, on what measures have been put in place to prevent such, such accidents happening again and two are all other water supplies, public water supplies, up to public standards? And three, to assure members of the MD Council and the public that such an incident cannot re- reoccur in any of the public water supplies within the Killaloo MD. The reply from Sir Alfini, the senior engineer. Clare County Council, along with all other local authorities, signed a new master cooperation agreement. There's going to be a few... Uh, terms here now so bear with us an MCA so that's a master cooperation agreement with Ishka Aaron in 2023 this new agreement repair, replaced the service level agreement uh, SLA which had been in place since 2014 the new MCA which is this master cooperation agreement places Ishka Aaron in direct management and control of water services operations and associated staff This new arrangement will facilitate the transition of water services completely from the local authority sector, which will be finalised at the end of 2026. Therefore, Clare County Council staff are no longer in a position to attend municipal district meetings or comment on water services operational issues. All queries should be directed to Ishka Aaron in that regard. Now, Pat, off you go. Give us your thoughts. Uh, this was, there was comments from everyone in relation to this motion and they weren't very complimentary. Well, uh, I think one of the issues that really came up at this meeting was that uh, Salafini has actually changed his job in the, mis- in the midst of this as well. He's, he's now gone to a different section of the council. So, in theory, we don't have anyone to answer those questions anymore, as you can see. Could, could, could you just sort of explain, Pat, uh, for so those that may not be fully familiar, when the whole issue with Irish Water was set up, the council were still sort of had people on the ground responsible for it, or Ishka, Ishka Aaron or whatever it is called now, uh, is the overall body, but we'll say the, some of the council staff were seconded to it. Is that the easiest way to yeah, describe it? Yeah, it was an agreement with the council, service yeah. level agreement, where the workers that were presently in their jobs at that particular time in 2014 were now seconded to Irish Water. Yeah. So ultimately we still knew the people, even though... We supposedly to go through Irish Water to answer these questions and get answers, but because we knew all the people and we were on the block a long time, we knew who the people were, and we were able to get answers. And there was a dedicated person like Serlfini was able to answer the questions. Yep. Uh, and there, at the end of last year, uh, a new agreement came in place as the Master Cooperation Agreement. Yes, we don't. MCA. Those, I don't <laughs> talk about those abbreviations much yeah. myself. But what came about was that uh, Irish Water Ishkairn uh, actually pushed to try and unravel this agreement because uh, what they have is a lot of people under under agreement and they wanted ownership of their 
the workforce themselves really mm. in terms so they've agreed at a national level to disperse workers here and there uh, if you were a council worker in, in working with the water section, you have the opportunity to retire and take a lump sum. You have the reti- you can move on to Irish water, or you can you can Go be redeployed yeah. in the council system if you don't want to take up that. So yeah. what has happened is that that agreement at a national level has been signed. Is something that we found very challenging, and a lot of workers from uh, from the that were part of the agreement put themselves in a very difficult position. And positions that became redundant uh, here in East Clare and a lot of places were never filled either. So we we had a, a, a reduced capacity for a number of we haven't a resident we hadn't a resident engineer here in 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 the East Clare area for the last number of years either. Yes, and we haven't uh, poor old Sean Brogan's position wasn't refilled for a long time either. So we ended up uh, having to you know like we were in no man's land really for a long time. Yeah. And this really came to, to to light in this in this motion alone, because it now now following up from that, and I, I must send it on to you. We got a reply from Ishka Ern two days later because they knew there was criticism. Yes, and I suppose there was a whole lot of uh, press release stuff that would kind of of waffle telling you what they were doing, what they weren't doing. Like this is a very serious situation in for all our water systems, and and whether it is here in Scarf Tulla. Flagmont or anywhere where, where public water, you just want uh, confidence in the system. And I think the fact that the people in this area weren't notified and were, were drinking water that wasn't untreated or, or, or not untreated, or I suppose there was an issue with, uh, causes real difficulty there. And our issue here really on the day was, all councillors were said, well, where is Irish water? How do we as councillors get our message across them. I see they're, they're, they're due to meet us next Monday week. Again, the council have decided to come back to some. And the suspended, we always had part of this agreement, we always had cl- monthly clinics along with our, air, our, our, our every three months, I think they should come in and meet us, the engineers. Yes. And that had been suspended for the last number of months as well, so we haven't we haven't that opportunity. We're finding it very difficult to, when you're told to ring a free phone number below in Cork. And unfortunately, somebody... That doesn't an ID where Capaban or Killinane yeah. or Flagmont or, or Killaloo is, uh, is answering a query and, and putting you on a list and now you're saying to the, your your clients or your people that you represent, well, I've re- I've logged your complaint. Yeah. People need answers. Yeah. I, I've, I would say on that motion, it's the one that I have the most notes scribbled on, on, on the page in relation to it. And I just would say in relation to yourself, you, you had said to, that we should write to Irish Water to get answer. And we said the fruits of the move to Irish Water, a free phone number to Cork, not reportable to the council. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I think that's the, that's the big issue here. And as I said, and they all said, uh, in my change in 25 years, is this move to centralising a lot of stuff. Uh, we've seen it with a lot of other sectors, sections as well. Uh, and, and I don't think it's good for the people we represent. Yeah. Uh, because I've had a number of incidents since where, where we have, and particularly water leaks, issues like that, that we're trying to get resolved. Also, there's the issue about paying bills as well where it has all been deployed, anyone that didn't had issues ongoing with the council for the last number of years in terms of previous water leaks and, and overpayments or underpayments mm. were able to be resolved locally. But now it's gone to, and if it doesn't be resolved, it's sent to solicitors. So you're now just taking the human side of it out of it from, from the people here at all. And like it's leaving a very 
challenging issue for us as public representatives uh, and that's why I've asked uh, and we'll be asking at the council meeting again on Monday week uh, to know how is our dedicated have we somebody dedicated in the county rather than because that's not a service to to, to the public or to the public the elected people either like yeah I, I just have noted here I would say uh, councillor Pat Burke said a different approach from minor to major issues is taken by Irish Water it's most frustrating minor issues seem to be resolved very fast but the major ones uh, it takes a lot longer to to do uh, councillor Joe Cooney called it a disgrace and uh Tony O'Brien said he was very disappointed in the reply that they won't come and show us contempt for councillors. And that's alluding to the fact that there was no reply from Irish Water, but you can say now that y- y- Yes, are, we got a, y- we got got a two-page letter test telling us all the, the good reasons behind it and how they were sorry about this incident and it shouldn't have happened and all that. Yeah. But that's not good really. I think we really need people to be able to come and be accountable for themselves. Yeah, but again, Pat, it's a very serious issue and you know the, the question sort of would be raised in relation to the matters like basically nobody sort of did anything about this for 12 months and it was you know it wasn't really reported and then it was reported and then oh well we're sort of sorry you know yeah. it's not good enough oh no far from being good enough yeah. and, and look at look at at a government level it isn't good enough either that mm. they have that they have handed over private more or less privatized the water services and the sewer systems and, and treatment plants and all to a private company like the bigger risk here is that it'll be owned by some Unit, you know, like I always believe that you should stay to sort of control over its is its basic networks. Like if somebody started handing over the roads in a few years' time to some private company to manage them, where will we be then? Like, yep. that's you know that's where that's if we don't move away and we're moving away from a, a, a system of political accountability, that's not the norm across Europe. Like, we yep. we we're, we're like. In, in other countries across Europe, it's deployment and, and leaving services locally and trying to manage them locally and, and having more accountability and more political accountability as well. Yeah. We and have been moving, centralising it for a long time. Like we've moved to the HSE when we had health boards here first when I started out where you could actually ring about issues locally and you get an answer within the region. Now you ring about issues through the HSE and you're, again, like the system, you're, you're trying to... I suppose the one noticing thing that I have noticed is that I knew people in all the departments from the banks to yes. the tax office to the HSE. A lot a lot of those good people that were willing to talk to you and, and resolve issues have, have either retired or passed away. And and now you don't have the same personal input. Like it's it's not the way it should be, but it it's it helps it, it helps when you know yeah, people. It abs- absolutely it does. Get issues resolved. Uh, and again that's a matter for another day. Yeah. Right, listen, we'll we'll move on to uh, item number eight, which is a notice of motion from Councillor Alan O'Callaghan. And that's the road from Broadford to Six Mile Bridge would be considered for the Grishin Works programme and request can road be upgraded to a regional road as it's a very busy one to traffic. And the reply from Declan Flanagan. Clare County Council acknowledged that the L3008 Broadford Six Mile Bridge is a busy route, particularly in mornings and evenings with commuter traffic. The road is a well-serviced road which has received significant funding from restoration improvement and restoration maintenance works over the last few years. At present, connectivity to Broadford and Six Mile Bridge settlements are well served by an extensive regional road network. Broadford currently has four regional routes entering and exiting the village to other towns and villages along the L3080 local primary route. Similarly, Six Mile Bridge has five regional routes serves in the town. 
The Six Mile Bridge to Broadford Road currently is not part of Clare County Council's winter maintenance plan. At present, all salting routes are running at full capacity, and following consultation with colleagues in the road department, I am advised that it is not possible to add additional routes at this stage. All salting routes are available on Clare County Council's website, and there's a link then to the winter service plan and mapping. Now, there's a link that was sort of provided in relation to that. So I don't think Alan is going to get uh, his way on that one anytime soon, Pat. Well, I'm 25 years in the council, and I don't think we've ever upgraded a road from a, a, a secondary road to a, a regional road. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was done a long time ago, and I think there's no grace. Like, I often wondered that we hadn't a, sec- a national secondary route running through our our district, yeah, um, you'd have believed that the road from uh, Innes to Killaloo or onto Whitegate would have been a national secondary road. Yeah, but if you if you look at the equivalent, I suppose going up, the, going up to Lahinch and yeah, yeah, yeah. But in some ways, it was beneficial over the years to have it as a regional road because there was extra funding brought for regional roads when we upgraded mm. it a lot. Uh, and you know, a lot of the roads to Killanina from Feetlop is a regional road, and we were able to look at. Uh, I don't, this is not going to happen. It isn't. I think the reply is very clear and I think yeah. Alan probably accepted that. But it, look, at. I think it's a busy road. Mm. Uh, a lot of people cross from Broadford to Six Mile Bridge and on to Shannon and on that way. So it's it's a kind of route you'd travel. Yeah. So I can understand why Alan would ask for that. And But look, at. I think there's been a good lot of investment over the years in it. In terms of the gritting route, uh, that's a slightly different story. Now there is a winter plan, and we have had we every year we get an opportunity to make submissions, or every few years the last change, major change that happened around here in terms of the winter gritting program was that the fecal scarf road was included. Yes, and uh, that made a huge difference to people that were travelling that road because a yes. lot of people, like a lot of people, come down from Killinane and turn on at Peppers, and they suddenly expect that the road should be gritted because the road from Killinane is gritted. Yeah, <laughs> or they turn out from Scarif yeah. and go to Feet Road, and they suddenly realise they're sliding around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that yeah. has been included. But once you do that, it opens up the caveat. Well, why isn't the Narbury Line done? Because the Narbury Line isn't a region road. Yeah, but. Uh, and I suppose I, the good news out of it really, Kem, is that we have, uh, the council has its own small gritting machines bought since, yeah. since and I don't think it didn't in this motion reply, but I think the council have a localised gritting machine now got, uh, and we're out there during the call period, and I think this road was gritted, yeah. and a number of, around schools in particular, around community facilities, and I think the road from Cahar to Flagmont, because of the childcare and the school and Omaris, I think was gritted, but I think... I think it can only do, it's limited really what it can do, but it's great that we have our own independence here now yes. to be able to resolve issues uh, as they come by. And I think that might help this issue in terms of gritting, but I don't see it being upgraded this road at all to oh, okay. regional road. All right, fair enough. <laughs> now, item number nine. In light of all of these wind energy sites being proposed from Ballycar, and I should say this is from Alan O'Callaghan as well. Uh, so, in light of all these wind energy sites being proposed from Ballycar, 12 o'clock hills, Oatfield, Cahar, Horlin, surrounding area, that a more robust consultation with residents, councillors and the MD office be held as people are not happy with same. And then there's a reply from Gart Ruan, Senior Executive Engineer at the Planning Department. It says, The adopted Clare County Development Plan 2023-29 incorporates a renewable energy strategy and a wind energy strategy. These documents, together with the plan itself, set out the overall planning framework for renewable energy developments within the county. The planning authority engage in extensive consultation with the public as part of the planning process. 
where wind farm applications made directly to the planning authority, then third-party observations can be made in relation to the development concerned within the statutory time periods as set out in the planning regulations. Certain wind farm applications, uh, 25 turbines or an output of 50 megawatts or more, are required to be made to onboard Planola as Strategic Infrastructure Development, and then the abbreviation SID. In such cases, third-party observations are required to be made directly to the board. The submission of a planning application together with the carrying out of any prior public consultation is a matter for each applicant slash developer. Applicants are strongly advised at the pre-planning stage to conduct effective public consultation. However, the planning authority has no statutory role in the level or extent of consultation to be provided by individual applicants. Now, Pat, this is an item that is probably... uh, it's controversial in East Clare at the moment with the number of uh, turbine applications that are being there, but uh, this is maybe a matter that maybe one would say for the election, you know, coming up in a few months' time. But I think there's gov- there's sort of planning issues, but it basically means some of these applications can go to the council, but some go straight to the board panel, which sort of takes any representation, you know, at a council level out of it. it, it the council for making a decision on it, it's not it's not their their baby. But in relation to this, um, E pointed out that the there was one recent meeting that took place in a different county in relation to one of the proposed plans by that it appears that the the overall legislation in relation to it isn't as robust as it should be give me your thoughts uh, i don't know where you're starting this um i suppose it goes back to um 2009 where we were asked to include as an addendum to our uh, county development plan a wind energy strategy. And we adopted one, not with a whole lot of detail on it, preferred areas and areas that might be suitable for wind energy going forward. Uh, we didn't put any limitations in the height or the scale of um, of wind turbines. At that time, they were smaller, maybe 100 feet. Mm. Uh, there wasn't any large design of scales or mass that time. And we always believed we'd be able to, we were assured at the time that we'd, be able to come back and amend that plan at any particular time. But since that, uh, we have been precluded from allowed by the department, by a circular from the department on all our occasions, that we went back to look at our county development plan and look at our energy wind energy strategy. Uh, so the big brother has stepped in and told us, you accept what you have and continue with what you have. Uh, I find this a little bit ironic, Pat, in that there's plenty of things where they have said to you in relation to the county development plan where you want something, yeah. in this case, that they tell you, no, you can't do it. And now they're yeah. saying, this has to stay a- as is. We've gone through uh, three phases of a county development plan since. Yeah. And we weren't allowed to change it. And, like, I think, and I suppose if you want to look at it cynically, you would say, well, hold on, the government has said if we... And they're also supposed to bring in draft regulations around uh, our own uh, wind farms as well in terms of how the, the, this has been held up as well in the, in the doll and hasn't moved uh, in terms of, of guidelines, best guidelines around all that. They, they haven't come in either. Mm. If you wanted to be cynical, you would say, well, hold on, the government and everyone in, the, in, in that have kind of said, well, leave it alone as it is, it's working as it is. We're getting wind farms and we're getting energy and we're getting all that. But at what price, I, I would question. 
to communities, particularly down in this uh, Broadford, Oatfield, Ballycar, all those areas across. And I don't know what market is out there between them all because they're all different companies are playing games. Uh, we had a meeting the other night with the residents from Oatfield and in relation to, and Broadford in relation to a new a new wind farm for Oatfield, uh, and that's going directly to or Planola. Or Planola. At the same time, when we looked at the detail that they gave us, there's another application going in. We're not sure whether it's going to board plan or the council. Uh, and it's the two are interlinked and managed. They're like in the same fields, in the same places with different companies. And like it's like as if they had already agreed behind the scenes, well, we you'll do this and we'll do that, as Pat Burke put it like, it's like going to the mart and we'll buy a lot here and you'll do a lot there. Uh, now, the council refused one in Broadford recently, um, and the one that's in Bodike, stroke the mill, that side of the country, has gone to the through the legal system at the moment and hasn't been decided on either. Uh, and we have to make a submission. It's on our agenda for the February meeting of the council, where the council have to make observations in relation to the board planola. And we've been very strong in our views here, like that there's a lot of issues around this. I think the real human side of this is that you have families divided. And like we've heard some harrowing stories where posters and objections have led to a lot of challenges between, within families and within communities. And I think it's in the lack of the government in terms of not allowing us to vary our wind energy strategy. I don't think we'd be thinking of 180 metres wind turbines up on elevated land at the moment if we were if we were if we were looking at a wind energy strategy and got the opportunity to look at it we'd have really rechanged it but we didn't get that opportunity yeah it's uh, like the uh, technology has advanced we'll say since yeah but we didn't when we, when we made our plan we didn't realize you'd have 180 meters turbines uh, yeah. like i live under mahara mast as people know i told if it's gone for plan and now it would hit a lot of challenges yeah but like at the same time Wind energy, the, the turbines are so vast and large and they're only 500 metres from a house. They're dwarfing houses. Some of the pictures we've seen are shocking. And look at, personally, I think there ha- there is an area for certain wind energy up on the tops of mounts and away from houses and, and as much as possible, but not affecting communities and, and particularly not divisions of families. And it's hard to be at a public meeting when you're people talking about their own family members and their own relations being affected and not talking to each other and creating that division. And I don't think any of the big companies, when they come in here and they go around, they've been bouncing around these areas for the last number of years and doing all these surveys, and they're looking for willing landowners yeah. to take the blood money to degree or, or to take the money that and you can understand that it's a farmer and it's good to give you know alternative energy like I read a document the other day and it's 38 million we're going to be exporting billion in energy in years to come out of the west coast of Ireland mm. I think we have an interim measure now that's going on in, and that's why you have all these wind energy turbines being put up and proposed is that they'll, they'll last for a period but in 10 years time it'll be superseded by uh, off offshore wind farms but like do they realise does anyone realise the effect it's having in communities and the individuals here and, and communities having to object and make their views known to board Planola 
Yeah, the cynic in me, Pat, would sort of, uh, this is going off topic a little bit now, but the cynic in me would sort of think if these uh, wind turbines were being proposed for Dublin 4, uh, you know, or in the Wicklow Mountains, that uh, there would be a little bit more discussion and uh, debate at a national level in relation to it. There's an argument for saying that um, a lot of these companies appear to be taking advantage of sort of poor legislation, planning acts at a national level coming in. And if they were given um, a contribution to the area, now I know under the legislation that there are there's certain amounts of money that can go to local uh, bodies and stuff like that. But I I I put something else to you. If every location within five say five kilometres of a turbine was getting an electricity credit of a hundred or two hundred euros a year, you might be a little bit more inclined to be sort of in support because you could see that it's 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 uh, you know contributing to everybody in the area. But you know there is no. For these coming into rural areas, and as you said, there are a number proposed for East Clare, there is no advantage to any of the local people. Some farmers might make a few, you know, a few pounds off uh, land yeah. being rented or stuff like that. But you said for, for what's being provided, there's no benefit, would say, to everyone in the area. Not to the level of this disruption it causes, but look at, there are areas, as I said, up in the tops of mountains and Quilcha have big proposals in terms of some of their lands and look at the, the issue that uh, some people will have is the scenic views and things like that, but I suppose of individual houses that are under, uh, under them, I think I'd, be, I'd have issues with that. And I'm not totally against wind energy at all, actually, because I think it's good to have alternative and we've seen that. It's it's just the placement of those things. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that the last company here for the Oldfield, like going down to um, Carconnell and having it outside our own county, the the, the consultation. Yeah, it's Castle and, Oak. And, Castle Castle Oak yeah. and then having um, an online meeting where they just listened, they just gave their views and listened to nobody yeah. and turned off their cameras and talked. Like, that's, no, that's not public consultation. Yeah. Like, we've had the different crowds. I invited them in, I was chair into the council chamber to discuss the Cargill Ground one. And look, it was in. It was good that we got the inside of it. Mm. But we as councillors are not being briefed by these companies either. Like we're 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 being left out there like the public, and we're we're expected to have answers. Then, yeah, you you have to have a, a knowledge of most things when you're out there now as a councillor. There's an expectation that you have a view on 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 every element, and these are highly challenging to to get the right value for communities and I think there's been a change as well in terms of there was the community gain fund I think it has now changed to be green fund as well so anything their funding has to be of a green nature nature so that kind of doesn't even help the local community level there was expectations Mm. around either so look at this is a good motion uh, it was something that we had a good discussion on, and we've had further discussions since. And we we've, we we're making a, we've made our representations to Garethrowan in relation to what how we feel the council should respond to this present one for Oldfield. But there's one coming down, Carrigan, I, 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 Shan, I think is the one mm-hmm. that's beside us actually. So yeah, okay, well, we'll, we'll we we shall see. Now we'll move on to motion ten, and uh, we're on to Councillor Joe Cooney. And motion 10 is that Clare County Council give an update on progress for the improvement works at the junction where Church Street exits onto the L4082 Main Street Tulla in the interest of safety. 
and there's a reply from Declan uh, Flanagan. The Clare County Council's road design team has surveyed the junction between Church Street and Main Street. A detailed survey was carried out in June 2022 with 20 cross-sectional surveys which would remove the stepped curbing and improve the road surface. A funding stream will be required to deliver this project. In order for this scheme to proceed, there would be benefit in a public realm plan being prepared which would comply with the town centre first policy which aims to create town centres that function as visible Sorry, as viable, vibrant and attractive locations for people to live, work and visit, while also functioning as a service, social, cultural and recreational hub for the local community. So I suppose, uh, Pat, this is basically the area in Tulla that's very close to the chipper. That's the, the junction we're talking about, to put it down to local levels. Give us your thoughts. Well, look, we've done a good lot of work in Tulla in terms of footpaths over the years, and this is actually original plan was to to, design, to come to this. And I think when there was a review review of this area, I think it was just felt as what was being asked was just kind of what we're doing is just upgrading it. But I think there was a general feeling that we should get rid of steps anywhere. Accessibility is a big thing, uh, and particularly the act of travel funding, uh, we needed to have it. I suppose, suitable for people and all people with disabilities to be able to transverse this. Like, this isn't uh, very acceptable as it is. I suppose Uh, the geography of where it is, there are steps and it's uh, it's awkward to traverse. uh, But then if you're trying to flatten that out, there are challenges. Well, I think the plans are to raise the street. Okay. To try and raise the street. But that brings challenges to houses that live near them as well. Yes. Uh, if you're actually lowering down the footpaths to some degree and taking the steps out of them, I think the plan is to actually raise the street up by uh, about a foot or whatever it is in modern technology. But it was a foot to bring up the street by a foot in places and reduce the, the, the footpaths by about six inches uh, to level it out and would take that out of it. But it's a substantial project. Like, it's... it's uh, it's a challenging junction anywhere uh, where people come from the church side or come up from the Ashler side and, and down the town. But I think uh, there's been people that fall, fell, fell off those footpaths and there have been accidents. And I think the plan will be costly, but I think it'll be important because people ask, why haven't we something done about it? But I think like a lot of things, we need to do it right and I think that's what has delayed this project in particular. And we've all asked questions about this. But I, and I've seen the designs, I've seen the plans, I've met with the engineers out there. Uh, and w- this is the plan that's been talked about, rising up the street. But that takes m- rising manholes and yep. doing a whole lot of other... It's, it's a far costlier job than was originally taught. And that's why it was deferred at that particular time we were doing the act of travel through Tulla. So I think we'll all support this. And I think it's something that needs to be done right. Uh, there's no point in going at something if we don't do it right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Okay, motion 11, uh, also from Joe Cooney. Does Clare County Council call Anishka Aaron to give a report regards capacity for the wastewater treatment plan in Kilkishan? And a reply from Cyril Feeney, se- Senior Engineer. Clare County Council, along with all other local authorities, uh, signed a new master cooperation agreement with Ishgair in 2023. This is sort of like a copy and paste, I think, from the, the previous motion. Uh, we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort of carry on. Uh, in relation to it, it says the new uh, ma- arrangement will facilitate the transition of water services completely from the local authority sector, which will be finalised at the end of 2026. So Clare County Council staff are no longer in a position to attend or comment on water services. But then it says, following referral of this notice of motion, 
Ishke Ayrn has indicated that, and quote, as part of the programme for government, it was an objective of Ishke Ayrn to publish the wastewater treatment capacity registers. That's a new one for me now, Pat, a capacity register. These capacity registers are aimed at providing the general public with an indication of the status of the available capacity of the treatment plant. Uh, Ishka Aaron publishes these registers annually for each co- county, and there's a, a link there that, that's available that we'll uh, try and share with people. And then the remaining capacity available at treatment plants changes regularly based upon the loads received from existing customers. Our registers are only an indication of available capacity. In all instances, if someone is considered progressing a development, they should contact our connections team, which will provide a greater level of detail in relation to the availability of wastewater treatment capacity. And then you can learn more about it at www.water.ie forward slash connections. Now, that's... There's a little bit of passing the, the can in that reply. I would pass pass that comment to you, Pat. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I kind of wondered where Joe was asking this question about. And it's ironic that we learned this week the refusal of Clerk on a Council for 60 houses in Kilkishan. Yeah. And the main reason for refusal is lack of capacity. And if you read back... There uh, it says shows that Kilkishan waste water treatment plant has available capacity. Mm. But then when they were making their observations to Clare County Council, they say it hadn't. And I think like this is where we are with Irish Water or Ishkea and why can't it tell the truth? Like why didn't they they reply to that motion? In January, mm. at the same time, they were replying to a request for a connection to the sewer treatment plant. It's, it's, two, it's basically two different answers to the same question. They, they were they were making submissions mm. or answering the question to Clare County Council about their capacity, and I haven't the full details of it now. Exactly, I haven't gone into the full detail of of what has happened in Kilkishan, but we left that meeting of the belief that there was capacity and there wasn't any issues and. It hasn't come to my mind as representative uh, no more than any of the councillors that there was. Uh, Joe probably had an inkling that there was issues being raised, so he asked the question. But, of course, there's no one to answer it. Yeah. There's no one to answer it, only WW things here. Yeah. Will you go and find that out yourself? But now they were able to answer it to the council, where the main reason for refusal was uh, capacity issues in the wastewater treatment plant in Kilkishan. So, like, this is not what we what a place like Kilkishan wants to hear. They want to see that there's extra houses, support their businesses, support their schools, uh, and there hasn't been any major development of houses in Kilkishan in a number of years. And in terms of where Kilkishan is, suit, is situated, it's it's ideal for people going yeah, to... Geographically in, in, in ideal. Is, in yep. Shannon, Limerick, anywhere. Uh, but, like, I only learned about the refusal in the last few days... Uh, uh, of the houses in Kilkishan and like it's very disingenuous really of Irish Water to give this reply here now I have to go back and look again to see Serafini replied from what his knowledge was yes so I give him the benefit of the doubt that from what he could gather from where he was and his previous history that he believed there was capacity and I think the other thing was that they had no planned programme to increase the capacity in Kilkishan. Yeah. So the 60 houses that were refused have no great hope of going forward until Irish Water 
decide to invest yeah. in upgrading their capacity. And like you'd imagine there had been a bit of pre-planning for this or people would have known that this, this you know, Salafini should have known to a degree that the capacity was limited enough, like. Mm. So I'm very disappointed now in the reply to this and I think this, will, this is a motion that will definitely move up along the line and we will we'll all be collectively asking the question, well, who's replying to this and where where is the issue here that we couldn't know this at our meeting in January? But at the same time, the reply was probably gone back into the council to say we're not allowing this development because of capacity issues in Kilkishan. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, for, for another time and another yes. place, uh, Pat. Right. Mo- no, motion number 12 is from Councillor Pat Burke and uh, calling on Clare County Council to give an update on the Limerick to Scarif Greenway and a reply from Brian McCarthy, who's the Senior plan- Planner and Killaloo MD Coordinator. The Limerick to Scarif Greenway is a 43-kilometre greenway which will connect Scarif with Limerick City. A steering group has been established in aid of the delivery of the project. Members of the steering group includes Waterways Ireland, TLI, Clare County Council, Limerick City Council, sorry, Limerick City and Council. Public consultation evenings have previously been held on route corridor selection options for the project. Arising from this notion, notice of motion, Waterways Ireland have indicated that following previous consultation referred to above, a preferred route corridor report is now at final draft stage having been reviewed by project steering group members. Waterways Ireland will be holding a series of public consultation evenings to display the preferred route corridor in the coming weeks. These public consultations will be advertised locally once finalised. When the public consultation phase for the preferred route corridor is finalised, the project will progress to detailed design, approvals and delivery. Waterways Ireland would welcome the opportunity to present an update to the elected members of Killaloo Municipal District potentially at the March meeting. So now, uh, thoughts there, Pat? Well, look, I suppose it's good to think that they're coming to us and they'd like to, to come back to us in March as well. And I, I've asked for this in the past myself as well. Um, I think there'll be a lot of interest to see what the final uh, route, preferred route is. Uh, I think they had some issues in terms of the ESB uh, through Clonlara and that trying to resolve some issues down there and they had a further public consultation in relation to that. We were always led to believe that it was a kind of clean bill of health from Limerick to Killaloo. Yeah. And we were linking into the motorway uh, uh, and the bypass and the challenge would be very much from Killaloo to Scarif. Yeah. And I have no doubt it'll still be the challenge uh, because geography. while we invested over a million euros in 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 a lovely walking route from from Killaloo to Chungrene, which is nearly finished, but that's for a motion for another day. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and it's coming down the road yeah. as well, uh, uh, and it's gone in for application for to finish a small bit of it in the end. But ultimately, I'm not quite sure here. Should we have invested a million and maybe brought it to the greenway status when we were at that? Now, that would have pro- caused some logistical problems as well on that route. And I'm not sure is it a preferred route either to come b- along by a main route, by a traffic route. I think uh, what we'd like to see here is, is, is good engagement with the landowners. We don't want to be putting tracks across uh, people's dairy farms or lands or all that. And, and uh, driveways as well. Yes, for, and, for and everything like houses. that. Yeah. Look, at I went down there in September down to the Dungarvan Greenway and I took a, a good trip in it and 
it's an exciting and enjoyable route to do Greenways are great. And I think if properly done along Ogunlo and Killadu and seeing the views of Loch Derg, it can really give you, and I think going by O'Brien's Bridge and out that way as well, it, it has real adventure to it and, and scenic value. Yeah, you'd be literally I, right I, on the I, water. I think, I think, it, I think it, it has potential, but I think, uh, and what I was very interested in was in the in the in the in the Dungarvan one. I've done the a number of greenways here and there. Uh, it's just and it's more to to learn about them as well and to see how they work. Was how farmers and all worked and worked very well. People I pulled up in a few times where tractors and machinery was crossing and cattle were crossing, and that was just acceptable and manageable. It's not it's not trying to create issues for farmers. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I I'd like to think that the landowners and property owners would all be consulted uh, that we're not actually driving. I think I think there's huge merit in it and I think there's Councillor Burke has asked it extended to Mount Shannon. If we're developing tourism in Mount Shannon, it'd be nice to go up maybe the top road here and uh, arrive and get the views Capaban and back down somewhere. I'm not sure how that'll work mm-hmm. but it's uh, I think I suppose Ogunla being such a rich l- land and and good productivity land. I think uh, you're crossing a lot of fairly s- substantial land holdings as well. And certainly geography yeah. issues. In yeah, I think, I think that's the issue. I haven't seen the preferred yeah. route now. I'd be very anxious to see it shortly, and uh, I'd be glad if they got another presentation. Yeah. Although recently it was in meeting Sligo last week, and I some of the main greenways aren't doing as well as they were because there's an abundance of greenways coming now, and the volume of people to use them isn't as People think, okay, it's a bit of a, a challenge around the country as well now. Yeah. So, but the, but I think this is a real opportunity as well to, to link ourselves to Limerick and to Killaloo and to Scarif. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Motion thirteen is Pat Burke, and that's calling on Clare County Council to deal with the following issues at Mount Shannon Harbour. Uh, one, remove unsightly and abandoned boats from the council control pier. Two, remove the, uh, quote, do not feed the swans signs as they are no longer required. And three, deal with the issue of illegal dumping at the bottle banks. And the reply from Declan Flanagan, the Killoo Municipal District will continue to work with Waterways Ireland, local stakeholders and local representatives in obtaining information on the existing boats at Mount Shannon Harbour. We have been advised that there is one vessel that needs repair and we have been in contact with the owner who stated repair works will be carried out this spring. Remaining vessels on site were inspected uh, on the 15th of January and appeared in good order. We have noted some of the vehicles, or vessels I should say, are registered with Waterways Ireland. With regard to the swan signage at the Blue Flag Beach in Mount Shannon, these signs were erected in response to issues arising from members of the public feeding swans which had a negative effect on the bathing waters. These signs have now been removed. Clare County Council's environmental section monitor all 52 bring banks on a weekly basis and in general they are well maintained with few incidents of dumping noted. Environment Department have used social media to advise the public that if a bottle bank is full to use an alternative location. However, we do note that dumping persists. The environment section are keeping the issue under constant review. In addition, arising from this notice of motion, the Environment Section will complement the routine inspections of our Bring Bank supervisor with additional inspections by our community wardens. The Bottle Banks at Mount Shannon was inspected following this notice of motion on the 11th of January 2024 and no illegal dumping was found. So there's a, uh, we said, uh, that's local politics locally uh, is how I could refer to that motion, we'll say, from Councillor Buck. Well, sure. There's three motions in one, but they're all very relevant to that particular area. Yeah. And look at I think we 
we're out there at the moment trying to develop uh, the the tourism product in Mount Shannon and uh, we're the contractors in the directory. I think people that want to come to um, to Mount Shannon, they, they want to see a well-kept uh, area and an area that presents itself well. And I think the signs with the swans, of course, yes, the, that's a, a smaller issue is dealt with. The issue in relation to the boats and the existing boats is a challenging one since I've been in the council because you have areas that are managed by the council and areas that are managed by Waterways Island and a number of people that have been there for years. So I think it's something that, that needs to be resolved. And that's probably hard, hard for, it's a hard issue locally, but it's, it's also probably hard for sort of people visiting or even for some of the locals to understand that there are two different parts, you know, in the harbour that are, you know, responsible, you know, Waterways has responsibility for one part and the council yeah. for another. You know. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to understand that, uh, and I suppose there are people that have boats there for years, and they come from different parts of the country and the world, and they come and maintain their boats and go from there. And look at, I think, I think it's it's a good motion. It's important that we get full regulation around it, but we don't want to be big brother either on top of everyone down there because people genuinely use the harbour uh, for good, and they're using it because they're regular users of it and, and but any boat that's been there for a period will be in, there'll be enforcement orders against them and, and waterways will definitely deal with them but uh, and the council look at it's something that's that needs tidying up because our long term plan is to, to use that harbour as a as a oh, point to, to, to Holy to, Island to Holy Island. So we need to, to make sure we have a well managed harbour that's updated and kept in order. So I think I fully support that motion. In terms of the bottle banks that's a continuous issue across the county where where we provide a wonderful service, but some people, some people just think it's a is a place to leave the boxes that they bring the bottles in and bring their own rubbish and leave yeah, things they're, that they're too lazy to physically put the bottles into the bank. Yeah, yeah so. so that's kind of a problematic issue for every community. Yeah, okay, right, Pat, that's that's fine. Well, now we'll move on to uh, the motion number fourteen, and which is from yourself, so you'll be well able to talk about this one. Uh, I propose a motion for the naming of Scarif Library in honour of Edna O'Brien. Edna O'Brien has made an immeasurable impact on Irish literature and culture. It is fitting that we recognise her contributions in a mean, meaningful and lasting way. I propose that Scarif Li- Library be officially named the Edna O'Brien Library to celebrate the outstanding achievements and contributions of this iconic Irish author to the world of literature. As a native of our locality, naming the library after Edna O'Brien will serve as a reminder of the rich cultural heritage of our community and inspire future generations. Edna O'Brien has not only gained international acclaim, but has also played a pivotal role in shaping the literary landscape of Ireland. By naming the library after her, we pay tribute to her profound impact on literature and her role as a source of inspiration and pride for our local community. And the reply from Brian McCarthy, Senior Planner and Killaloo MD Coordinator, born nearby in Drewsborough, he should have entered the word Tungraney there, uh, Edna O'Brien is one of the most celebrated writers in the English language and arguably Ireland's greatest living author. The proposal to name Scarif Library in honour of Edna O'Brien is fitting and appropriate in recognition of her achievements. Her brilliant consistency, literary skill, courage and impact of her work for over 60 years. Following consultation with county librarian, arising from this notice of motion, there is significant support for the proposal to name the library in Scarif in order of Edna O'Brien. The proposal is even more apt and fitting as the Edna O'Brien Library would be the first Clare County Council building named after a Clare woman and a literary pioneer. Now, Pat, uh, this 
motion from the meeting is the one that I think gathered the most uh, immediate exposure, we'll say, in the local and uh, count, county media. And you're the man that put it forward, so you tell us uh, all about it. Well, I, I, I just felt it was appropriate that we should do something for it now, Brian. We've had a lot of discussions going back in terms of our own council uh, offices and buildings and library in Innes, and there was a long debate there last summer uh, about renaming the library in Innes, and he's retained his name as the De Valera Library after a much long debate. But it made me think, uh, like we have the Sean Lamas, we have the Cultural Sweeney, we have a number of other ones that are named after people across the county. Why didn't we name our own one here in, in our own municipal district? And I think the library in Scarf is a centre of focus for a lot of people, from young to old to, uh, to all generations. And it's a fabulous facility. And I think, I think a lot of groups meet there. A lot of people come in for research work there. Uh, a lot of people find it as a social point. I met crowds that were crocheting and knitting. Uh, there's a literary group that, that meet there. There's book clubs and there's kid issues for kid, uh, events for kids. Uh, and there's so many things that go on there. There's art exhibitions. Uh, and a lot of people, rather than going somewhere else, end up coming to the library because they'll know they'll meet people. And I think the staff have been wonderful down there. Look, at the thing about it is that you travel along this lovely road and we have a lovely building here in the Scarf Library. I think it's only fitting that only a mile over the road or less in Drewsborough, in Chumgraney, that... Um, how Scarf and Tumgrand are interlinked and the whole East Clare area, that we should uh, recognise brilliance and a woman that has international acclaim and been recognised in so many other fields by so many other bodies. Uh, and uh, when you look at her her history and, and all the places she's been honoured and how appreciative they are of her contribution to literary skills and I suppose uh, her knowledge and her wonderful wit and writing skills and how they've been recognised by everyone. Why didn't we do something about that? I know there's a plaque up in, in Chumgrain and we we remember that well unveiling to, to Edna. But I think something that leaves a long legacy when we'll all be gone, please God, that the Edna O'Brien Library, when you'll pass through the Mount Shan Road in Scarif, you'll look and say, that's Edna O'Brien's library. Uh, and that there is a, a, an area in it to recognise that as well, that we have a dedicated corner of the library with, with her lifetime contribution that will be recognised as well. I think I found it humbling that Pat Burke said to me, he says, I don't often agree with you on, on things, but this is an excellent motion. Yep. And I think the goodwill that I've got internationally and emails and phone calls. Fair play to you to do this. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't easy to do it either, but there had to be approval from the family and herself as well. Yeah. Because you don't go off and name something after somebody without approval. So she was honoured, and uh, I doubt if she'll be able to make it, but I think the fact that she is alive and well at the moment, uh, and a good age, I think she's 93 or 4, uh, I think the fact that we're proceeding to do this fairly soon... And, and have it named will leave a, a long legacy of remembrance and and contrib of her contribution to to this part of the county and to the international 
Yeah, and, and I suppose the in the reply from Brian McCarthy there, I, I noticed that he says it would be the first Clare County building, uh, County Council building named after a Clare woman. So only fitting for such a lady that has been a literary pioneer over the years that her contribution is recognised. Well, I, look, I'm very proud of that fact that I propose it, but also the support I got and I met fellow councillors and they said fair play to you and it's great to do it. It wasn't, it was just a sense I knew John Blake and Eileen for years, they were our wits and, and I know the Blake family and I know that going back, if we if we look back in the history of it, Edna O'Brien mightn't have been the most populous figure around here years ago, but when you look back you wonder what it was all about because uh, life has moved so much and social life and social fabric of, of Ireland has changed uh, that it's well worth recognising uh, Edna and her huge contribution and I think it's more than fitting that we have our library. I just don't want it to have it on paper. I want to sign up to say this the Edna O'Brien Library and yeah. that we actually have a dedicated corner to her as well and that when people are passing tourists and people are passing by, well, wouldn't it be nice to go into a library? It might encourage people to, to, to take up her skills and write and her contribution to the arts and to everywhere. I think I think that's the whole idea behind it. it. wasn't It wasn't politically motivated in any shape. It was just to say I think it's right that we do something like that. So I'm honoured that we we're proceeding and the approval of everyone was great. To have yeah. The endorsement yeah. from everyone. There was unanimous support for yes, us. In, yes, fa- in yes. fairness, so. right. Uh, the last motion then is from yourself as well. <clears throat> I propose a motion to urgently. Uh, this is number fifteen. I propose a motion to urgently address the safety concerns on the regional route between Scarf and Tungrain at the junction leading to the town of Scarf. The absence of a pedestrian crossing and the need for traffic calming measures pose significant risk to both pedestrians and motorists. With the recent closure of Gal, it has meant that extra school children and pedestrians are walking from Tungrain to Scarf. It creates a significant risk at this junction and the need for safety measures is now crucially important to the safety of pedestrians and motorists. The quick implementation of these measures is crucial to mitigate potential risks and accidents at this junction. And the reply from Declan Flanagan is, Killoo Municipal District has recently carried out speed surveys on approach roads to Scarf and aware of speeding violations taking place. In 2019, as part of the Scarf Town and Village renewal, a large raised table was installed at the forge. This has proved to slow down traffic at this particular location adjacent to Riverview Estate and the Scarf Healthcare Centre. There is merit in the addition of a pedestrian crossing and control measures at the junction leading to Scarf. There are some limitations on design as sightlines are hindered at Scarf Bridge and road width may be possibly an issue on the Mount Shannon side of the junction. In support of this proposal, Killaloo MD will be putting this potential scheme to our road design team to assess and design. Moreover, there is merit in concurrently enhancing the visual appearance of this important junction to enhance the sense of arrival and arrival and entrance into the commercial core of Scarf. And I suppose for anybody that's sort of wondering exactly where are we talking about, it's basically once you come over the bridge, you'd say from Tungrani as you're starting to head up the hill into Scarf, it's where the road goes left up to Scarf, up the hill and continues, we say, veers right to go to Mount Shannon and it's from, it's on that right hand side of the road, Pat will say, as you're walking over the bridge and then you're going to if you're going up the hill of Scarf, that's basically the area we're talking about here. Yeah, I suppose um, we've, we previously had proposed design around this area and that was kind of Farfetched at the time we done the footpaths all the way up the hill. We 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 energized the footpaths and got new. It caused us a lot of challenges at that particular time, and that came off the agenda that particular time. 
but I suppose with the closure of Gala and, and a number of people transversing to Scarif now, it has become far more obvious if you drive here from Mount Shannon uh, and, and you're going on, there's always somebody at the corner of the bridge trying to cross. And invariably it's somebody with a buggy or some older person or somebody. It doesn't merit itself the opportunity to cross at all here. And I think there's high risk in it. I think uh, that's why I've asked this motion is that we resolve it because um, at the previous mo- meeting uh, that I held, that was held, I had a motion down about traffic calming on the Mount Shannon Road, uh, particularly for the Brothers of Charity. Yes. And out of that, a traffic survey was 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 uh, was introduced to actually understand the speeding violations and speed volumes along these sections of road, and it was kind of interesting that I had the results just got the day before uh, from the traffic survey. Yeah, and if I ever needed to put down a motion, I think the the report that I had got in terms of traffic speeding along this section of road is now more imminent and important that we actually resolve it. And while the reply is here, I wasn't at all happy with the reply because, as you know, and you've repl- we've dealt with other motions here, the wheels of the system take so long to deliver. Yes. I've asked for immediate attention to be put in this junction uh, and to put in whether they're warning or hazard lights to actually slow people down as it is. And I've been pursuing that since the meeting to actually try and find something that can be done because this can't continue for another year, year and a half, thinking that we'll get funding and we'll resolve it and redesign it and go for public approval for all this. I think we need immediate attention. And that's based very much on the speeding issues because uh, on the Mount Shannon Road alone coming in, 85%, Eighty-five uh, percent speed violations. Eighty-five uh, percent, and further in, just across from the library, we were talking about a few minutes ago, forty-four percent above the regulation speeds. A little bit further out in Chumgrani, they were sixty-four percent above, and further on again over near Gala, it was fifty-seven percent. And I'd say if we went a bit further on, that'd be eighty, ninety percent yeah. again. So and I suppose just to indicate, we'll say. <clears throat> for people, they're saying it's eighty-five percent of of people are in violation on the Mount Shannon Road. That's where you've a fifty k, a fifty k, yeah. And and if you said you know it, nearly nine out of ten cars going traveling on that road are exceeding yeah. that speed limit. Yes. Yeah. We, we have there is an we, issue. We have a real problem here in this area, and yeah. uh, like it's something that needs a major change from the Mount Shannon Road all the way through Chumgrani. Uh, out to the Killaloo Road and out to the Innes Road. I think I think not alone are you looking at this issue. You can't look and separate uh, separate them because the whole the whole movement of traffic uh, along Tumgrani and into Scarif needs to be it needs a major traffic control <coughs> element that, that that actually resolve it. And I think I think this issue will probably cost a good bit of money. It's not a case of uh, while. The, it was said that it would be sent to the Gardaí for their observations in terms of the speed limit. I suppose that the ordinary Joe Soap is going to get caught, and I suppose if if the if the eighty five percent of them are above the fifty, they're all going to get caught, and that's including us all because we're all probably guilty of it to a degree. Then, but ultimately, there's no one going to slow down, and there's no there's no going to speed camera isn't going to be outside in the Chum, on the Mount Shannon Road or Chumgrainy to the level that's going to resolve it. And I think this is a, a, 
it, it opened up a whole number of issues. I would have adopted it into my motion further, or I might actually bring it up at the next meeting in terms of the overall uh, issues. I will bring it up uh, uh, because there has to be a major funding element here. We need to narrow the roads, widen the footpaths, uh, build-outs. You'll see them going through a lot of towns and villages now. Uh, that, yes, that, ne- that needs to be resolved. Yeah, I, I and, and, it, and it's not just a case of, of getting driver uh, behaviour changed. Yeah, I suppose, Pat, w- w- if you look locally, what was done uh, in Clooney? Or Drummondura. Or Drummondura. Are two local examples of where works were carried out and you would be able to tell us in relation to Drummondura. Has that... Sl- oh, it has. It, it has, has slowed down. I've kind of had commentary like the, the curbs are out too far. Yeah. <laughs> and that's have hit them. Yeah, and I, I know... And, and look, at, there was there's merit in it because the people, the residents that live in Drummondura and a region road in more than this and they didn't have the benefit of... They did, they had a 60k speed limit through, through Drummondura but it's now found that it's made a huge difference. So, yeah. And and the only way I believe, I don't believe in all these ramps. Now the ramp coming down across from the, from the Ford is beneficial, badly marked I must say and badly, if a lad hit it he wouldn't, he, he'd know he hit it but yeah. uh, like there needs to be a similar one at the turn up for the town here uh, with pedestrian crossing on it but well designed to, to actually, people need to slow we need to have a number of those traffic tables, not ramps tables, yeah. tables are more beneficial than ramps because ramps are kind of a sudden thing you hit uh, but uh, uh, ta- but I think the whole key is to narrow the road coming into mo- from the Mount Shannon Road. But back to this motion, this motion needs immediate uh, attention because it it is a high risk uh, because we have a little bit of a footpath on the side of the bridge that probably shouldn't be there at all if you're going to bring people to a dead end and ask them to cross and look over another, whereas you have the traffic transversing, trying to turn up to the town or go on to Mount Shannon. Yeah. And they're looking over the bridge to see if there's a car coming. Yeah, and uh, it's a, there's a blind There's a blind spot, spot there, there yeah. that causes grief to everyone. So, mm. look, at I just felt it was important. I think the fact that Gala hasn't reopened yet and mightn't open for another f- number of months, I hear, I, I'm not I'm sure how long that'll be, but at the same time, you have a lot more people. And you have an awful lot of people that walk from the town of Scarif on the evenings, walk across... Like, they need to be crossing somewhere else uh, to the other side of the road. But that's not... Human nature is what it is. Ultimately, you'd nearly need to barrier off that where people should be crossing there at all. Uh, there's a lot of severe issues need to be resolved if you're going to stop that. And you need to actually make sure that people don't use that if it's a health and safety risk. So I'm not 100% sure what the engineers are going to design here in the temporary measure, but definitely I'm not walking away to leave this until we get funding to do a, a larger scale project. And it needs immediate attention in my view. Okay. Well, and I got full support <coughs> for, for that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, that, 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 that's fair yeah. enough. And I yeah. suppose at the last meeting, uh, Councillor Joe Cooney had a sort of similar motion in relation to a gun law, you know, yes. say, and yes. I think there, there is agreement, you know, that roads need to be brought in there. You could, you could argue that uh, with the new bridge being opened in Killaloo, that there's certainly going to be a lot more traffic yes. on the road. And with uh, when Inish Caltron, Holy Island gets up and running as well, for I would imagine seventy or eighty percent, maybe more of the people that are going to uh, physically get there, they are going to have to come over Drewsborough and pass by the junction that you were talking about. Yes, it's the only way that they can go. You know, unless they go go up through Scarif, and they'll probably say, "Well, we don't need to go up through the you know the main yeah. town. We'll yeah. just sort of divert." Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, that is uh, an important. Um, 
matter to you know to be considered and hopefully uh, I'm sure Pat you, you you have your claws into it now and you're not going to let go well I'm not going to let it pass uh, because like the the final thing is you know just to to put it forward for funding yeah funding depends on active travel and other funding things that are mechanisms mm. that are there or the council putting their own coffers into it and like I think a temporary measure at the moment while we look at an overall design that needs agreement from the community as well and needs agreement from everyone needs to be put in place. But I think the temporary one is the one that's important, in my view. Okay. Right. Listen, the last uh, item that was on the agenda was correspondence, and that was correspondence from the Cahirac uh, Councillor Tony O'Brien on behalf of the Kildu MD to the Secretary-General of the Department of Housing, Local Government and Heritage, seeking the provision of funding for wastewater treatment facilities for the settlement of Broadford. And uh, Councillor O'Brien provided an uh, email that he had sent to the Secretary-General in relation to it. And uh, I suppose uh, the good news that happened between the email being sent and this uh, meeting is that uh, finally good news and white smoke for Broadford. Well, look, uh, if there was ever a challenging issue to try and get over the line, and fair play to the community in Broadford uh, and their undying wish to get this resolved and to get the issues around it, and to look at the elements, we're at it for a long number of years, uh, and we brought the they have been brought to the the, the altar so many times uh, with different proposals. Uh, I think, and we were disappointed it has taken so long as well politically. Uh, once we had an agreement and applied for this over two years ago, we thought this would be resolved a lot sooner. But look at it's over the line itself in Clare. Uh, we're we're hoping to move forward and nominate another area from the municipal district as well, going forward for future plans. But I suppose the delivery of this now is the is the challenge as well, and to try and get uh, get people on the ground and get construction going. We haven't been given that detail, or the department haven't seen the full detail yet to the council exactly how this will be implemented. But I suppose the very fact that we have been approved, and I suppose, I suppose the unity from the five councillors. Uh, supporting Broadford while more of us might be a little distance away from Broadford we all felt it was appropriate to put our heart and soul in behind Broadford in this particular case and all political TDs and senators and all give the backing as well so I think it's 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 great when we all work together it might take a bit of time the wheels of, 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 the, of the permanent government take a while to get through the system I don't think there wasn't it wasn't the political will it was actually how do we actually implement a plan like this and how what implications it has for other going forward in terms of funding I think that was the challenge behind this particular program yeah okay but a, a bit like with the, the great lines there we're not there yet but we're getting there yes <laughs> and, and I suppose the issues in relation to the other 50 villages around the county that need to be de, uh, sorted in relation to wastewater are ones that are for uh, another another time I well, suppose, so we, have, we, we have calcation added to that now. exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so that, that'll be one, one, one to discuss now the last item on the agenda was confirm a date for the next meeting that's been agreed it will be the 20th of of March at 9.30 so we will have another councillor in then uh, to discuss about that but Pat our time is nearly up I just want to ask you two questions before before we go as you said you're going for the six in a row the elections are coming up in June would you just give me your best achievements that you think y- you have achieved for the people in the Killaloo MD or what would have been the Scarif electoral area the Killaloo electoral area it's currently the Killaloo municipal district your best achievement that you think you have been able to come up with and the one item that you haven't been able to get 
as much maybe traction or that you haven't been able to bring to a successful conclusion to date. So good and bad. I, I can't sort of say, you know, I can't let you hear and sort of tell me about all the good stuff. We need we need a little bit of sort of, you know, recognition for that things don't always work out. Hmm. That's a, a fairly challenging question when you when you roll twenty five years together yeah. and you and you look back over the years and you say to yourself, Well, what did you achieve? Well, there's a num- numerous things really, and I suppose you mention any one in particular. I suppose the important thing is bringing communities together and committing community grants. One of the most important things that I feel I've uh, done in the very start of my years was uh, getting grants allowed for playgrounds right across the municipal district. Uh, when times were going good, I got a million euro allocated out of property tax that time to to actually be spent on playgrounds which enabled a whole lot of playgrounds across our municipal district here and across the county and and I think that was a hugely beneficial uh, because we got a ring fence we had playgrounds in Killaloo Mount Shannon Scarif Fetal Tulla all Kilkishan Quinn all done under that program and I think that was that's that's good for years ago yeah, but I suppose you have fecal sewers that can. You have a lot of up. You can go into a list of yeah. things. Then, I, so I, I, I'm only asking for one. I know that, but yeah. but it is yeah. very hard to define yes, twenty five years into one into yeah. one particular issue. But it was an important issue as a growing as a parent at that time with young kids. I felt I went to other counties and I seen we didn't have that facility and we have it now. Yeah, and communities have taken ownership and it's, uh, I'll always put up my hand and say, I was responsible for that. Okay, well, that, that's, that, that's fair enough. I, I suppose not slightly related to it. There are some insurance issues that have appeared in the meantime, but that's nothing to yeah. do with, you know, we'll say the actual provision of the facility, a little bit like you say. Well, yeah, well, the, if well, the, council, ch- the council have moved in yeah. to take no ownership of that yeah, now. Well, exactly, so, which, which is, I'm yeah. sure, a, gr- a gr- great benefit. And now, I said, one item that hasn't worked out, or, or is there one theme or you know one thing that you're disappointed that will say you haven't been able to bring or that maybe it might have been a project that didn't get off the ground or just well there's one major thing that hasn't been resolved and that's the arterial drainage uh uh, and the maintenance of our rivers yeah and 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 the the waterways which was a motion that was brought up at the last which i've been putting down for a long time and because we've become over-regulated, it makes it so challenging that issues like the Grainy River and its tributaries, uh, it might soon aim and right now to have flooded plains, but it doesn't suit the landowners. And I am disappointed that it isn't getting the traction that it needs. Uh, we, we've actually added our climate action plan now as one of the main actions as well to, to make sure we have an arterial drainage programme. Uh, how that'll go through the system, I'm not quite sure. Mm. Everybody believes we should do something about it, but nobody wants to do it uh, and finds difficulties with doing it because too many agencies are on the table. And I think that's one of the disappointments to me that I haven't achieved it. And I suppose it's probably outside my remit as a councillor, but it's something that should be delivered uh, and should be should be continuous because when we hadn't big machinery, we hadn't any farmers and people like that looked after their, 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 their streams and their, and their tributaries. And it's not to affect the environment, it's to try and balance it and make sure that there's a proper management uh, scenario in place where, where we protect what we have, but at the same time alleviate drainage and flooding issues. Uh, you just drive out the fetal road there and you see plains of water all the way back to Tulla and you see it back up through fetal and back into to to Cahar and all that area and it's it's affecting back into Tull and further now 
and yeah. Budike and like we need to resolve that issue. Okay. Or else or else if we don't the landowners have to be highly compensated for it. But it's not that's not my view. I think we should resolve yeah. it. I suppose the challenge is the reduction in farmers as well and that's that's probably one yeah. thing that's outside my image completely. Yeah. Okay. Right. Listen, Pat, thank you very much for, for your time and thank thanks for coming in and discuss, discussing it. We wish you the very best of luck with the elections coming up in June and no doubt we will be talking to you in, in the interim <laughs> before, during and afterwards. And uh, we'll we'll see how that goes as well. But listen, for you and all the other councillors and the contribution that you make to the effective running of matters in the Killoo Municipal District, we're uh, very thankful to you all and I just have to give a particular thanks to you because a representative from Scarif Bay is now allowed to go to these meetings and to report on them and this programme is a result of that and it was you that initially brought up that motion uh, in relation to asking for us to come in and to be allowed to come in and we're very grateful to, to you for enabling that and I think it's a sort of a recognition of the value that the radio has in the local community and it's also it's a, a forum for ye to be able to discuss matters that uh, arise from the meetings as well. And rightly so. Okay. Uh, on that note uh, Councillor Pat Hayes, we leave it there. Thank you very much and we'll talk to you soon.